Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so blessed already by the presence of God during our time together And I trust that right there in your home, wherever you may be participating in this service, you're already sensing the presence of God. Our Lord loves us. Our Lord is with us, no matter what the season looks like, and wants to talk to us. And I believe that he's got something for every single one of us today that would encourage us and that would take us forward in our faith walk with the Lord. Uh, Today, we actually conclude our closer season uh, series. So Pastor Corey started that off first week of Closer by talking to us about breakthrough. And then Pastor Stacey, the second week, spoke to us about the secret place and how important that is and how to actually practice the secret place, especially during the time of uh, prayer and fasting as we have been for the last 21 days. And finally, last week, Dr. Mike so eloquently spoke into uh, the whole thing about the Father's heart and the different types of prayer. And I believe uh, through the thread of these subject matters that the Holy Spirit has really been taking us as a church and as people uh, participating in this journey, on this journey of uh, effective prayer lives, what it is to have an effective prayer life. Uh, And I really just want to continue with that and conclude our series uh, on that note today, because I know that One of the most challenging, it could be the most frustrating or the most fruitful, uh, but certainly it's challenging uh, aspects of our Christian journey is sometimes when we are praying and praying and praying and we're not necessarily seeing our prayers answered and that that really kind of challenges our faith. And uh, I, I know certainly when I go to a vending machine and I put in some coins, I expect a product, a result of my coins. And if the, you know, the product doesn't come out, I'm shaking the vending machine, I'm bashing it, I'm doing everything I can because I've been hardwired that if I put in something, something must come out in return. And to be honest, sometimes uh, we get stuck in that when it comes to our prayer life. When it comes to our prayer life, we put in our prayer coins and if it Nothing comes out if we're not seeing any result of our prayers, especially when it happens over an extended period of time, uh, we become heavily frustrated. uh, And we we begin even layers of unbelief can enter into our hearts. Does prayer make any difference whatsoever? Uh, We we begin to get really challenged on the faith realm. uh, And I, I dare say that a lot of us have been praying for a long time. But the problem sometimes is that we have been taught to pray, so we have increased the volume of our prayer, but not necessarily how to pray. And that's kind of where I want to take us today. I want to take us just on beginning to unpack some of the things that really need to be embedded in our revelation of prayer so that we can pray effectively. You know, there's effective prayer. There's a prayer that moves heaven, and there is a prayer that does nothing. 
There's a prayer that is fruitful and there is a prayer that is totally frustrating. And I believe that every single person participating in the service today, you can relate to this because it's our journey. We go on the journey of discovery. Somebody may be watching and you may be thinking, well, you know what? I've been praying for 25 years. I wanna encourage every single one of us Sometimes we do one year over 25 times. That's not what it means to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, we want to be a people that are growing in our revelation. What is the heavenly pattern of prayer so that we become more effective in our prayer life so that, again, it can become more fruitful? Just before we engage the Word of God, I do want to tell us this. I want to remind us that the most influential person on the planet is not a celebrity, is not a politician, is not a leader of a religious movement. It's none of those things. It's the person who knows how to pray effectively. And so today, uh, I want to speak to us from the thought of pray for heaven's sake. Pray for heaven's sake. If you'd open up with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6, and like Pastor Beck said, I would love for you today uh, to just have a little bit of a notepad uh, recorded on your iPhone, whatever it is, so that we can just go through these things together and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, to instruct us in living effective prayer lives. Book of Matthew chapter 6 and from verse 9. This is the Lord Jesus teaching on prayer. He says, In this manner therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And uh, right at the outset, again, I just want to set the context for this passage before we dive into it that Jesus was teaching in this passage as a result of a request from his disciples. If you read the parallel passage in the book of Luke chapter 11, you will find this. You will find that the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And therefore Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Now, let's have a look at a few things about what Jesus taught. The disciples, first of all, saw Jesus do lots of things. They saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw Jesus feed the multitudes. They saw Jesus open up blind eyes and open up deaf ears. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus do so many signs, wonders from heaven that, that it could have grabbed their attention and they could have asked, hey, Lord, could you give us a bit of a workshop on how to raise the dead? Or could you hold a Saturday conference on healing the sick? They never asked any of those things of Jesus. The one thing that we see them asking of Jesus in Scripture is, Lord, teach us to pray. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because they saw how Jesus prayed was the source of all his life. How Jesus prayed was the source of kingdom power upon him and through him. How Jesus prayed in private was the source of his public ministry. 
not how long Jesus prayed, but how Jesus prayed. And that's really important because it's not about the volume of prayer. It's not about how many hours I spend in prayer. It's about the pattern of how I'm praying according to the will of God, according to the design of God. God designed prayer. So there's a God pattern for prayer that I need to actually follow, adhere to, submit my mind and my life to. That's why when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus didn't dismiss it. He didn't say, well, you know what? Just go and hang out with God. Like, that's good and that's lovely, but that's good for intimacy. That's not necessarily good for effective prayer. Effective prayer, there is a divine pattern that's in Scripture that you and I need to grow in our revelation of what it is to pray effectively. That's why the book of James, chapter 5 and verse 16, says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. See, there's effective prayer and there is ineffective prayer. And, and it's really important for us to know that. It's really important for us to know that everything that God is and everything that God has can be received, may be received through prayer. So Jesus begins to teach. Now listen what Jesus begins to teach. He says, when you pray in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven. And let's stop there for a moment. I'm not going to tackle our Father too much, but I want to encourage us. Please, if you haven't listened to Dr. Mike's teaching last week, please make sure you do. Because he taught on notes so profoundly and so biblically. Our Father. The, the only thing I want to say about that is that the premise of all prayer, we're not trying to persuade a monarch who is disinclined to do us good. We're not trying to persuade God to do us good. He's our father. He's not the CEO of the universe. He's Abba. He's dear daddy. So when it's time to engage God in prayer, Enter with that heart confidently, knowing that you are talking to dear daddy. But because Pastor Mike covered that so well last week, I want to dive into what Jesus teaches next. It says, our Father who art in heaven. Let's stop there. That's already going to take us another 20 minutes to talk into, and we won't even be scratching the surface. He says, our Father in heaven. Now, hang on a minute. Was Jesus theologically deficient? Why has he localized the Father to heaven? Isn't the Father omnipresent? As a matter of fact, Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8 says this. He's, David says, where can I flee from your presence? That, that, that if I ascend into heaven, you, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there which means that God is everywhere at the same time. He is omnipresent. Yet Jesus says, our Father in heaven. Why has Jesus localized the Father to heaven? Now, here's the thing. When it comes to teaching about prayer, which is the context of this passage, Jesus is not talking about a geography. He is not talking about the geographical location of the Father being heaven. He is talking about an authority structure. Right there, there's a massive thing for us to learn, that there's an authority structure that God, right from the beginning till this very day, has instituted. 
There's an interplay between heaven and earth, and prayer has a major role in that whole interplay between heaven and earth. You see, Psalm 115 and verse 16, very, very important. Psalm 115 and verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. See, God has made this authority structure where the Lord is the governor, the Lord of all, but he has delegated the authority, the jurisdiction of earth to mankind. He has literally put humanity in charge of all the earth. You and I are God's delegates. You and I are God's prime movers of the will of God on earth. It's our jurisdiction. It's our delegation. And this is where prayer and effective prayer comes into it. You see, if we go back right till the beginning, I'll explain it just a little bit more so we become really clear on what Jesus is teaching here. If we go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, and let's read that together. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. I just want to stop us there for a moment and we're going to read the rest of the verse. God made mankind and he said, let them have dominion. I want us to know, God did not say, let us have dominion. He did not say mankind plus me. I know that that's probably messing with a few of us. But if we read scripture for what it is, it is the truth. God said, let them have dominion. Dominion is a sphere of control. So what have I to have dominion over? The Lord says they are to have dominion over the fish of the sea. That means they are to have dominion over all the waters and everything that is in them. They are to have dominion over the birds of the air. That means they are to have dominion over the air, the sky, and everything that is in it. They are to have dominion over the cattle which walks the earth. That means that everything that is on the land. So sea, air, land, meaning everything that the planet is, is literally under the jurisdiction, the delegated authority of mankind. And that's why the Lord sums up verse 26 by saying, let them have dominion over all the earth. Everything that earth is, is actually under the dominion of man. Let them have dominion. I need us to know that when it comes to this whole issue of prayer, that God honors his intent, his original intent, that God rules the highest heavens, but he has given mankind dominion over the earth. You and I have dominion over the earth, and therefore we are the prime movers of the will of God on earth through prayer. We literally bring down the will of the Father, the intent of the Father from heaven to earth that would in no other way happen except you and I prayed. And that's actually really important for us to know. You need to know, I need to know, and I need to believe the Word of God and not come up with my own paradigm of what prayer should look like. The truth about prayer is, is that God honours your domain. You know, when the Lord, when the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah ascended before the Lord, now the Lord, who is judge of all, can do whatever he wants, but this is what the Lord does. The Lord, in the book of Genesis chapter 18, 
doesn't just destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, how could I hide this thing from my servant Abraham? Well, what's Abraham got to do with it, Lord? That's because the Lord still honors the domain of man. If he has delegated something to the domain of man, there has to be an interplay between heaven and earth where there's a divine partnership with mankind, a representative that must represent the will of the Father. So he approaches Abraham and has a chat to him about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And many of us know the story. Abraham doesn't even accept that. Abraham begins to negotiate with God. He said to him, will the judge of all the earth do unjustly? What about if there's 50 righteous people? Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord says, okay, Abraham, it's your jurisdiction. Let's have this conversation. If there's 50 righteous, I will not. And Abraham begins to enter into this Jewish negotiation with the Lord, brings him down to 45, 40, 30, 20, and right eventually to 10. But the Lord honoured the domain of Abraham. Now, somebody may be watching and you may be thinking, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm, I think I'm hearing what you're saying, but, but, but there's something deficient about what you're saying because everything you're saying comes out of the Old Testament. It comes out of God's original intent when God made the earth, when everything was perfect, and the delegated authority let man have dominion over the earth, that because of sin, we have really mucked this whole thing up and therefore it's no longer applicable. You're partly right if you're thinking that, but I do want to remind you to complete that theology with this, that Jesus has redeemed us and restored all the inheritance back once more. What we find in the book of Revelations, for example, in Revelations chapter 5 and verses 9 and 10, is that the saints are crying out to God, thanking him for what Jesus has done, that he has redeemed us by his blood and he has made us kings and priests. He's not going to make you and I kings and priests. It says he has made us kings and priests. Kings are those who have dominion over a territory. A priest is an intercessor for all the earth. We have been reinstated to the very original condition that the, the interplay between heaven and earth, you and I are the prime movers of the will of God on earth through prayer. And that's really, really important for us to understand. I just want to hang in there for a little bit more and show you this a little bit more in Scripture because I know some of us will be wrestling with it right now. You see, Jesus taught when he was on earth in the book of Matthew chapter 16. He asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And the disciples responded, some, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist or, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of a living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then he goes on to say that he gives him the keys of the kingdom. He says to him, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, some of us may be thinking, well, hang on a minute. That was said to Peter. That was not said to you and I. Okay. Book of Matthew, same book, chapter 18 and verse 18. The very same scripture Jesus said to all of his followers and all of his disciples Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth 
will be loosed in heaven. In the original Greek, that literally reads, whatever you lock up on earth will be locked up in heaven. Whatever, whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven. That's how much God is dependent on your prayer and my prayer. Now, I've used a strong word there. Dependent on our prayer, uh-huh. That's why I've titled it, Pray for Heaven's Sake. The great theologian, John Wesley, said this, without God, man cannot, and without man, God will not. God will not do even what he wants to do on earth unless we partner with him. That's how important prayer is. That's how important your prayer is. You are the enforcer of the will of God on earth. You are the person who ushers the will of God into certain situations on earth. And if we kept silent, nothing would happen. I wanna tell us this, there's two ways to pray. You can pray like a pauper. You can pray like this, oh God, I'm not sure that you're gonna answer any of this, but I'd really like to present a desire before you. Oh God, I am but a worm, and because I am but a worm, I'm really not sure what exactly is going to happen. My prayers are always uh, hit and miss, and this is probably another one of those hit and miss prayers, but I'm gonna submit it to you anyway. That's one way to pray. That's called pauper prayers. But can I bring us back to biblical prayer? Biblical prayer looks like this. Biblical prayer looks like I totally understand, totally believe, despite of situation, despite of circumstance, despite of my own shortcomings, that I've actually been clothed with righteousness. Biblical prayer looks like I understand and I believe that the Lord has said that once again I'm reinstated to king and priest. And it looks like, Father, you are the king of, not subjects, you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And you've delegated me to pray over this situation, to usher, to usher your will, so that your will in heaven may be done on earth through my prayer. And so over this situation, I'm not going to stand still and watch Satan wreak havoc, and I'm not going to watch the disorder and the chaos of sin, but I'm going to usher in the will of the Father because you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you have given me this authority in prayer to bring down the will of the Father in prayer. That's another way to pray. I can pray like this. That could be my posture. That just means faith. That clothes me with what God has given me. Or by lack of faith, I can take off all of that and just pray as a pauper and it's all about hit and miss. I wanna encourage us, when we pray, pray knowing that you are the delegate, the executor of heaven to enforce the Father's will. I wanna just tell us a couple of stories and a piece of scripture before I conclude this thought. A couple of years ago, I heard a, um, a story actually from somebody in our church that totally impacted me. That person had a friend, a couple of her girlfriends, one of her girlfriends was pregnant, and the other girlfriend was awoken through the night. When she was 
sleeping, she was awoken by a nightmare that she had. The nightmare went like this, that her pregnant friend uh, was in his shopping center right at the top of his spiral stairs. And at the top of the spiral stairs, um, she had began to fall and she was like eight and a half months or whatever it is pregnant. So it was going to be totally devastating. So the friend was awakened by this horrible nightmare, but she felt like there was more to it. So she literally started to pray, Lord, do not allow such a thing to happen. Protect my friend and protect her baby and so forth. And spent some time invoking the name of Jesus and the protection and the covering of Jesus Christ over her friend. One week later, she's having a conversation with her friend and says to her, you know what, something really strange happened last week and she tells her about the nightmare and tells her about her dream and tells her about how she got up to pray. Her friend was absolutely shocked and said to her, I wanna tell you something. Last week on that very same day that this happened, I was exactly that. I was in a shopping center right at the top of spiral stairs. And at the top of the stairs, I nearly fell over. I felt my entire body weight come off the top stair and I was going to fall. She said, but I felt an invisible hand push me back on the landing where I got up and actually I had my balance once again. And I thought, wow, that's a miracle. What happened that I did not lose balance and did not fall down the stairs? Why would God not just do it himself directly? Why would he wake up a saint? Why would he wake up a son or a daughter of God? Why does he wake up many of us or prompt many of us? Because the Lord is waiting. Pray for heaven's sake. The Lord is waiting. The jurisdiction belongs to you and I. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, I'd love for us to read that. And please take that down. The Lord says, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. The Lord wanted to do the land good. The Lord wanted to save. The Lord, the Lord wanted to reverse the work of the enemy, but he needed one partner. He just said, I, I was looking for somebody to partner with me so I can do this work on earth. He said, but I found no one. Again, I want to remind us of what John Wesley said, that without God, we cannot, but without man, God will not. God is waiting on your prayer and my prayer. I want to encourage some of us today, please stop accepting some situations that surround your life. Please stop accepting some of the things that are happening at the minute and get heaven involved. You and I are the prime movers of the will of God on earth through prayer. Prayer is the root of all mission advancement from heaven. And it comes that when you and I open up our mouth, things begin to change. I do wanna address something else because of our limited time. I wanna address this. You may be thinking, well, you know what? I have been praying over this situation for quite some time and praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing's still happening. How do we address that? Well, look what Jesus says. Our Father in heaven tells us about our jurisdiction. 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus has taught us that effective prayer is not about getting my will done in heaven, it's about getting the Father's will done on earth. There's a massive difference when all I am trying to do is get my will, which is sometimes not lined up to God's will at all, and I am trying to persuade God of something. Now, the reason God won't answer that prayer, actually, he does answer it, but he answers it with a no, is because if he gave us what we were asking for, that wouldn't be good for us. See, this is what the Bible teaches according to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God will answer the prayers that are according to his will. Now, that may sound like, what do you mean he'll answer according to his will? Then what should I, why should I pray anyway? But that, that's exactly why, because anything out of the Father's will is actually not good for you. You, you and I both have experienced and know that God's answers are much wiser than our prayers. I thank God for all the times that he said no to things that I've strongly desired, but thank you, Jesus, for the times that you said no. Closed doors are just as important as open doors when the Lord answers prayer. We rely on the Lord's wisdom in that. It's about getting God's will done. So how do I know what God's will is going to be? This is what, is this just getting trickier? Like just layers of tricky? No, 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 no. No, 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 God is not the author of confusion. God, God is, see, here's the thing, right? This amazing book called the Bible is actually God's will documented. It's a great book. It's God's will documented. It's God's heart, God's ways, God's thoughts, God's intent, God's priorities, all of that's actually documented here. Do you know if you and I ever went to court, we normally would hire a lawyer. We would bring in somebody to represent us, somebody who knows the law, somebody who knows the book of the law, uh, what's legal, what's right, what's our right, how to claim it, all of that, right? That's why we hire a lawyer, because they know a book. Can I just say, effective prayer, you have to know a book. You have to know a book because that's got God's will documented. If I'm praying things that are according to the will of God, I guarantee you, stick in there if it's according to the will of God. Effective prayer is about knowing the will of God and coming into agreement with it until it comes to pass. I literally stick with the will of God. I stay resilient. I say, absolutely no way. You said it in here. I'm going to stand on it till I die. And I'm going to pray it till I die. I'm going to be relentless in agreement with this. We stick with God's word. Again, I just want to encourage us. Don't get lost. If you want to know God's will about something, God's will is in God's word. God's word documents it. The Holy Spirit, one of his fundamental ministries is that when we intake the word of God, the outtake in prayer, he reminds us what we should pray for as we ought. Jesus taught in the book of John chapter 15 and verse seven. He says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 
He said effective prayer looks like the Word becoming alive in you, the Word affecting the way you think, the Word renewing your mind, the Word reorganizing your priorities, the Word washing over your values so that you begin to pray what I put in you, you begin to pray it out of you. And that's what effective prayer looks like. I wanna take us to one final piece of scripture found in the book of John chapter 14 and verse 26. This is Jesus teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit and have a look at what he says. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He says that what the Holy Spirit helps you and I to do He instructs us, he illuminates us, he brings revelation, he teaches us all things. But not only does he do that, he reminds us of every word that Jesus said. He reminds us of the will of the Father. He reminds us of the word of Christ. So what does that mean for my prayer life? It means this, if I'm gonna have an effective prayer life, if I'm gonna have a prayer life that actually sees the results that are fruitful, in my life, I'm not just frustrated by just seeing nothing answered. I have to become word-filled because the Holy Spirit's gonna bring to remembrance what you have put in. What if I've put nothing in? Well, the Holy Spirit's got nothing to work with. Imagine the Holy Spirit going to the bookshelf of your mind and it's a very thin library and there's only Psalm 23 in it. What's he got to work with? Very little to work with. Whereas if I make the Word of God not an annual cake, but my daily bread, what happens is the Word begins to live in me. And as it begins to live in me, the Holy Spirit draws out of the well of the Word prayers that are aligned with the will of God. And then 1 John 5, 14 kicks in, which says that that, that this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us that that will happen, we begin to see fruit in our life. It would be remiss of me to leave us without just concluding on this note. I wanna conclude on the note of that Jesus taught our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's really, 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 really important for an effective prayer life. Jesus taught hallowed, be your name, your name be kept holy, your name be revered, your name be believed on, your name be respected, your name be glorified, your name, your majestic name, fill the earth like waters cover the seas. I I wanna tell us today that, that, that again, prayer is not about us. Prayer is not a me-centric religious exercise. Prayer is about the will of the Father being done on earth and His will is good. It's about getting what heaven's heart is for situations and people and our planet around us and for our own lives and ushering that in. And through doing that, God's name is revealed. God's name is glorified. The number one motivation of prayer needs to be that God is honored. One person said this, He said, if the Lord answered all your prayer, would the earth be a better place? Would God be glorified or would you just have a better life? 
It's really important to check our motivation. It's really important to check why we pray. Prayer is not a me-centric exercise. Not a me. It's a God-glorifying endeavor. It's a God-honoring endeavor that I want God to be known. I want God to be loved. I want his fa- his, the Father's will to prevail across all the earth. I want every work of darkness to be broken, that the name of Jesus would be known right across all the earth, that his love would be manifest, that his supreme name would be declared in all the earth. That must be the motivation of our prayer. Some of us today, we need, certainly me, I need to go back and recalibrate that my priorities become God's priorities in prayer. And God's priorities become my priorities in prayer, that I line up my priorities with God's. You know, God taught certain priorities like pray the Lord of the harvest that he may send out laborers. That's not me-centric. That's for God's glory and God's kingdom. We need to go back to praying prayers where the priority is the glory of God, where the priority is the preeminence and the majesty of the Messiah, his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know, sometimes we love John chapter 14 and verse 12, and we should love it. And it is so true where Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. We love that, and so we should. It's true, it's in the Bible, and it's there for you and I to live out. But you know the very following verse? Jesus unpacks that. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's saying all these works and all these prayers, I am committed to honoring your authority on earth. I am committed to partnering with that for the reason of that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I wanna leave us there today I want to leave us there with 21 days of prayer and fasting now culminating in this, to pray, not just for my sake, but for heaven's sake. God's got a great will for your life and everybody else around you that needs your partnership in prayer, needs your delegated authority to line up with his word that his will may be done and his name may be hallowed in all situations. I just wonder if God we can open up our hearts and allow him to do a deep work in us to reorganize our priorities, to make a commitment and say, Lord, maybe I've been praying a lot of me-centric prayers, but today I wanna reorganize my priorities, understanding that I'm your delegate here on earth, but understanding that I'm here to usher your will so that your will, not mine, your will will be done on earth, not mine done in heaven, and that your name would be honored and glorified through the goodness that you usher to people's lives, to our planet, and also my own life. I wonder if we can reorganize those priorities. Somebody listening today, you may be accepting situations that are really not according to the will of God at all. They're, they're in the surrounding you, they may be surrounding you in your personhood, in your family, in your body, in your relationships, in your workplace, whatever that looks like but it's out of order with the will of heaven. And I believe that God is reminding us today, 
not to just leave that alone and not to be indifferent. We are the prime movers of the will of God on earth through prayer. Take up the mantle of prayer again. Partner with heaven again. Pray for heaven's sake over the situation again. Not as a pauper. King of kings. Lord of lords. I'd love to pray with you. If you've been discouraged, if you've been disheartened, if Satan has closed your mouth, made you mute in prayer, because of a spirit of heaviness that's come against you, because of unbelief, or maybe because of how hot the burning challenge has been and how long it's lasted, that you've lost heart, God breathes life into you this very day, that you would rise up again in faith, that you would partner with heaven again, and that you would subdue every work of Satan again in the mighty name of Jesus. Child of God, this very day, this very day is a day where exactly like what Jesus prayed with Peter, not that he would not fail, but that his faith would not fail, where faith would arise again and that you would step into that place of dominion again and pray with authority again, come into agreement with the Word of God again until the will of the Father is done in this situation. I'd love to pray with you right now if you're in that place. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we believe your word. We honour your word by receiving it for our own lives. And we declare that we're not going to live by sight. We're not going to live by circumstance. We're not going to live uh, based on what the lies of the devil have been or based on how long it's been. Thank you that you're the God of Abraham and Sarah, 25 years, yet your promise is still true and right now we rise up on the inside and we declare that we will not come into agreement we will not allow discouragement or unbelief over our lives but we will rise up in the mighty name of Jesus and again we will declare only what you declare we will believe only what you believe and we are now praying for that very same area that Satan has distorted to see your kingdom come and your will be done in that situation. Thank you that you are true to every promise. We declare it, we believe it, and we're gonna stay in agreement until we see it with our eyes. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.